Welcome to Living Fit with your host, Pam Greshock. That's me, where I believe that we can live fit at any age. Let's get to the conversation. What is going on, you guys? Um, Pam here, and I have my very special guest friend. I think it would be on this side. I'm not sure what side I put to if you guys see, because sometimes it's opposite. But this is Kelly, my friend Kelly from Rooted Life Wellness. Hi, Kelly. Hi. How are you? I am doing well. You guys, fun fact, we did this podcast once before, and I was in her home, and it was beautiful. We both looked so good. Um, but there was no sound. <laughs> That one was not meant to be heard. (laughs) So here we are again. We're going to get these topics covered. Um, Let me introduce Kelly really quick for those of you that don't know Kelly. Um, Kelly's a longtime friend. I've known her through the fitness space for probably 20 some years. She knew me when I was a competitive bodybuilder uh, and we've kind of grown together in this wellness space um, together and and separately and kind of together again. Um, So Kelly uh, was a former nurse. And then she became kind of lifestyle wellness, um, and kind of got into the wellness space business. Um, and that's kind of where she is today. And she's kind of expanding that. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, some leaky gut, her new roles in the wellness space and, um, some other fun stuff. So, (laughs) so Kelly, Kelly, yeah. real quick. So let's get started um, by kind of talking about how you got started into wellness um, and then what you're doing now um, to further your education into wellness and kind of your new venture that you're doing. We'll start there. Okay. So uh, as Pam said, I was a nurse um, for seven years in emergency and then labor delivery. Um, when I was pregnant with my second child, I came home. My husband was in the first couple of years of his practice as trauma surgeon. And one of us had to be home. It wasn't going to be him, um, but I was happy to be home with kids. And I, um, through my years of nursing, there's just so many things that I saw about our just system of what we call healthcare, which is really sick care and how we do things. And I just knew that there was another way, um, to care for bodies. And so I ventured into the holistic health space. Um, It's been 10 years ago now. Uh, I grew a six-figure business with um, a wellness company, um, which I still have and love. And as of November, I am in a program for um, to be a certified integrated nutrition health coach. I'm very excited about that. I wanted to do that for a decade and it was finally the right time to do it. So I jumped in and I will be doing uh, one-on-one coaching starting in the next couple of months after my surgery. Um, and currently also my husband and I are um, for about a year now behind the scenes, we've been working on launching a Christ Center Holistic Wellness Center here in our community called The Garden. And we actually are in the midst of trying up lease paperwork for that. And we will take um, possession of that property in May, the foundation will, and start renovations and hopefully open up in September for business. Awesome. So that's, awesome. that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll be it. within the garden. I'll be the director of the feed. Um, they have three initiatives, which are uh, engage, heal and feed. And I'm the director of the feed division and I'll be doing nutrition counseling, 
things like that there. So yeah, very cool. I love it. And it all kind of ties together with um, her mission, which is very much the same as mine, you know, help people feel their best and be able to make the proper educated decisions for themselves. Uh, So I think we kind of stand on that same platform. Um, And I love the fact that Kelly has that nursing and medical background so she can kind of speak from both ends and, you know, say there's a time for sick care and then there's a time for well care. And I think she's kind of on the same mission as myself and a lot of the other physicians that I actually do have on my my show here um, is we want to merge the two together at some point. And there's a lot of people in this space that do. Mm -hmm. That's really what the garden is. So it's a Christ-centered holistic wellness, but we will have spiritual care, chiropractic. My husband will have uh, a spot there. Um, he's obviously a Western medical physician um, doing, you know, orthopedic urgent care and things like that. So we are really merging the two, but incorporating that spiritual component, which is huge. So that's that it's really emerging of the two kind of things that are seemingly separate right now, but really can work so well together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's super fun. And, um, and this is located for those that don't know, it's located in Lowell, Michigan. So just, just East of Grand Rapids about 20 minutes. Okay. And, uh, and Kelly will be taking online clients as well. Yes. I'll be doing online, uh, one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There. And then also in the garden. So in yeah. person and online. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of, I wanted you guys uh, that didn't know Kelly to kind of know a little bit of the background where she's at and um, to also kind of see where she's going and kind of where she fits in this whole community of most everybody that listens to this is very wellness minded um, and really just all trying to trying to live our best life and uh, make our best, like I said, educated decisions based on that. So I wanted to talk about one thing that you're very passionate about, um, especially as of lately, because you have a lot more education that you're digging into. And Kelly is also like myself, and this is where we are kindred spirits in this is we want to know more and do more and more, more, more information and learn, learn, learn. So she's, she's really digging into the topic of leaky gut. Um, And that's something that we went over when I was at her place um, in depth and it was very good conversation. So I'd like to, maybe if you want to go over kind of what leaky gut is, um, kind of why you got into really wanting to understand leaky gut and kind of the, some of the things that we can do to maybe prevent or um, help ourselves along if that's something that we think that we have. Sure. So it really was a topic of interest to me until I had it, <laughs> um, which is, you know, the way it goes for a lot of people. So um, leaky gut, as it's called, really is just that. But how it, how it manifests is um, sometimes you'll have symptoms of just food intolerances. Um, it can look like GERD. It can look like gas and bloating. Um, it can look like constipation. It often looks like a lot of IBS symptoms um, and is a main contributor in autoimmune conditions. Um, and everyone that has leaky gut doesn't have an autoimmune condition, but everyone that has an autoimmune condition has leaky gut. So, yes. Um, I mean, we've heard it said, right, all health starts in the gut. Right? Our mm-hmm. serotonin is produced in the gut. Um, it's, it's just vitally important. So basically the anatomy of your gut is such that you've got, um, your gut lining is one cell thick, 
And each cell has these cute little finger-like projections on the end of them. And these cells form the lining of your intestinal tract, right? Um, and in between the cells are tight junctions. They're supposed to be tight. Uh, but when we have leaky gut caused by um, inflammation, so inflammation can come from a variety of things, right? From food, from environmental issues, um, or, you know, toxicants or whatever, from so many things. Those tight junctions separate. They have, they say they have a space in between the cells of the linings. Lining becomes permeable, right? It's supposed to be not, it's not supposed to be permeable, but it becomes permeable. So then what you have is food that you take in, which is partially digested in the gut, right? Because it's not fully digested until it gets through. Um, you have partially digested food and things that don't belong in your bloodstream passing through that gut lining and now into your bloodstream. So what happens is your immune system recognizes this foreign invader in your blood, right? And mounts an antibody response. And so now you have food intolerances, right? Um, because you've essentially created an allergy is what you've done. So that's kind of how it happens. Um, things that you can do to minimize or heal, well, minimize the symptoms. So what are the, what are the symptoms, like the main symptoms, if you want, like, what are the main symptoms of somebody, if they think they might have a leaky gut? Cause you know, sometimes we, we throw around the words inflammation or we hear this, or we hear yeah. that, or we're quoted there's all these things. So like, what would be like the main, like red flag? You're like, oh, we got it. You know, we think that we would check for leaky gut or not check, but kind of thinking might have leaky gut. Yeah. I mean, there are some tests that you can do to check for leaky gut. You can do stool testing, you can do zonulin levels, um, but it's usually based on symptoms. Um, so if you eat a certain food or a group of food and you notice that you have discomfort or bloating in your abdomen, that would be an indicator that perhaps you have leaky gut. Now, not always, right? Because there's some foods that we know, like if you go eat a pound of broccoli, pretty much, Anybody yeah. is probably going to have a little discomfort or right. um, But if you notice it over and over again, um, that could be a sign. If you eat something and you have um, diarrhea, that can be a sign. Heartburn can be a sign. Um, if you eat a certain group of foods and you the next day wake up and you have achy joints, um, that could be a sign that that particular food is inflammatory for you. So things that people will, will do what I see is I'm like, well, I eat this food, but it's healthy. So it's, you know, I don't, I don't really see the problem, but there are things that are super healthy, but just because the food is healthy doesn't mean that it's healthy for you all the time. Right. So this is something that I've been working through, right? Like there's a lot of things that are really healthy that I would love to eat that my body says, mm -hmm, don't eat that right now, you know? And so you just got to listen, listen to your body. And I think that's a kind of an area where a lot of people are Amiss. They think that it's maybe normal to have those kinds of symptoms, and that's not necessarily normal. Um, mm -hmm. And so, if we're in tune with our bodies and pay attention to how we feel after we eat certain things, then we can eliminate those foods for a time, not necessarily yeah. forever, right? Like just for a time period. It's like we talk about, like it's cyclical, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, things that you can do. Um, there's sort of a process to repairing leaky gut. And the first thing would be to, would be to remove offenders. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so for most people, not all people, that usually means 
cutting out for a time gluten, processed dairy, sugar, alcohol. Um, some people need to eliminate corn and soy, but then everyone, you know, it just depends on the person. Um, and then you can consider taking some digestive enzymes, a really good digestive enzyme to help you. Um, digestive enzymes are great because they not only help you actually further break down your food, where maybe you're lacking some enzymes or something, um, they actually help you assimilate and use the nutrients from your food more effectively. So um, a lot of times when we have leaky gut, things are going right through us. Our body is not absorbing the nutrients from our food, right? That's a problem. Um, and then there are some things that you can use to soothe and heal the gut, um, like um, aloe or bone broth, which is rich in collagen. Now, those things aren't going to heal altogether. It has to be done in combination with all of each other steps, right? And this can take a long time. Like, it's not a quick thing, and it's certainly not like an end destination. Chances are, if you've got gut issues, something you're probably going to have to just be aware of and managing for quite a long time. So I'm on that train. I'm in the trenches with you doing it. <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, once you, once you have a relief in your symptoms, you can slowly try to, you know, reintroduce some things, um, starting with like fermented foods, which are great for rebuilding that gut bacteria. Um, so that would be things like kimchi, sauerkraut, kefir, raw cheeses, things like that. So I mean, it's a whole process and something that we could talk about for hours and hours yeah. and hours. It is something to be aware of if you have issues going on in your body that you just don't really know, you know, maybe you haven't gotten answers on. That could be a place to start. I would yeah. I mean, typically start. It's that. a pretty simple thing. So, so like maybe like an elimination diet type thing, yeah. if you feel like yeah. you're having some symptoms, um, take those Standard things out and add them back in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah digestive enzymes that might help break down the food. And like she said, cyclical, she's not saying you have to take them forever, but a digestive right. enzyme isn't really going to hurt anything. Um, right. and we don't um, want to be on those things for, you know, long-term if we don't have to, ideally your body would do that work, but you know, because of our environments and our food, and sometimes it's just, we're unable to, and we just need a little bit of help and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so there's obviously there's some environmental factors that might play a role in leaky gut. And so yeah. do you want to talk about some of those kind of environmental factors? Let's talk about um, maybe because we talked about what you can do for that, for that, if you think you have it. And if, if you think you have it, it's not going to hurt to do an elimination nutrition, as long as you, like right. you said, you're not keeping a certain food group out forever. That's not what you're saying. Right, 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 right. Um, but what about some of those kind of those modifiable environmental factors that you can do. So what are some things that we can do um, that are in our environment that we can control? Sure. So um, often people pop a lot of Motrin and Tylenol sort of over the counter and antacids and things. And those can, things can actually be really inflammatory and counterproductive for the health mm -hmm. of our gut. Um, people pop antacids if they have heartburn, thinking that it's a too much acid when often it's not enough acid um, or not the right acidity. Um, this is maybe somewhat controversial, but <laughs> pesticide exposure on your food is a big deal. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to go out and eat all organic because it's not in a lot of people's budget. It's not accessible for a lot of people, um, but... Foods that are covered in pesticides and insecticides and fungicides and rodenticides, it seems to escape us that those things are meant, they're meant to kill microorganisms. Our bodies 
are made of trillions of microorganisms, including our gut. So when we eat those things, they will also kill the microorganisms in our gut and throw our gut bacteria. And that is a huge um, cause for leaky gut, right? You have improper proportions or you have certain types of bacteria that are overgrowing and you've got a SIBO issue, a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth issue. Uh, there are all sorts of reasons that the bacteria can get thrown off. But if you can only purchase some things organic, then I would stick with maybe looking up the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So there's a list every year, the uh, environmental working group puts out a list of the top um, 12 um, crops that are sprayed with um, pesticides. And so if you can buy those ones organic, you know, think about if you're not going to eat the peel or the outside of something, it's probably okay if you don't buy that organic. Um, so that's something you can do. Um, we have to think about our home environment and toxin exposure because everything in your air and your cleaning products, you're breathing these things in and they can cause massive systemic inflammation in your body. And oftentimes we just don't think of it, you know? I see people in the grocery store with these carts full of healthy food and they get so excited. And then I see right next to it, a whole bunch of cleaning products that like, those are poisoning you. <laughs> There's yeah. still work to do, you know? Um, so that's something to think about and think hey, those things are widely available now. When I first started in this oh, more than a decade ago, you had to really look for non-toxic cleaning products. Yeah. And now they're very easily accessible. So I love that. There's easy swaps. And I think the the takeaway there, what you're saying is if you are eating a ton of fruits and vegetables, like we should, but most of us don't, (laughs) if you're eating a ton, then choose organic if you can, if it's available. That's one Mm -hmm. thing. I think some people in this space, I think some people get kind of hung up on that and then they get that yeah. whole paralysis over analysis and they're like, Oh, I'm just not going to yeah. eat it. But no, eat the fruits and vegetables. Yeah. If they're not organic, just clean them. Um, yeah. but if you have a choice, yes, if you have a choice, then choose the organic if it's there. Um, but the one thing that I love and that you have always taught me and helped so many others is non-toxic cleaning products, because that's really, yeah. really easy, simple fix. And I think, um, like you said, it's, one thing at a time. So just swap out one thing, swap out the next thing. And yeah. you don't even really notice, um, if you love bleach <laughs> and you want to have <laughs> in your home, then swap out the other things. Um, and every yeah. little, every little bit helps in that. Every um, little shift. Yeah. Totally mm-hmm. helps. It matters. You know, you, 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 and you get things that absorb through your skin and you mm-hmm. breathe things in and they end up in your bloodstream. And there are these chemicals that are considered obesogen. So if weight loss mm-hmm. is an issue and you've mm-hmm. tried everything else, perhaps look at your personal care products or your cleaning products. You know, it could be something that is throwing off your hormones just enough um, that it's making weight loss difficult for you. There's all kinds of things that you can swap out and one degree shifts really do matter, you know, and I still have things like we all have our things. I still get my hair bleached. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, it's a calculated risk. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, about that on the other one. And that's, and that's yeah. true. And, and that's something I think we're big on is like, okay, we live in this real life world. Like we, yep. we know not everybody's going to sit around and, you know, and, and live in the, the forest and, a year you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and 
Yeah. So, I mean, I like to get my nails done and get my hair done and, um, and, but I don't need bleach in my home. So that's not something that's important to me. Um, where I feel, yeah, I feel strongly about that. And I, you know, the things I put on my skin, our lotion, we use apricot oil. That's it. Like, I mean, my skincare, definitely, I want to upgrade that. I'm 41. So I'm going to start kind of digging into that a little bit. But my kids from, for baby oil, we never used any of that stuff. We never used baby powder, baby oil, any of those things. It's always apricot oil. It's always been, we buy it from Amazon. It's like 12 bucks for a giant thing. The whole family uses it. One tip I like, you probably already know this, but um, I've always put apricot oil on my skin before a shower. My kids always do it before they get in the bath or the shower. It kind of helps retain moisture. And uh, then you can yeah. a tiny bit while you're still wet. And honestly, that's it. That's all we use on our skin. Unless there's like a, unless there's a condition like, you know, my daughter gets a little bit of eczema on her hands because she's at school and she gets dry hands. So we use some stuff at night. But outside of that, like that's one simple thing. And then bar yeah. soap, like we use just straight olive oil soap or like the the um little bronner's kind of soap like just a bar soap that's all that's all we use like it's a baby one it's untinted um my whole family uses it bar soap is underrated like (laughs) i I know we use bars i know i agree with you it's so easy and i know um you you like the um you like young living brand right the um that because there's some smells in there i've tried some but my skin's sensitive so i just use just straight regular non-scented bar soap and it works for you. and it lasts yes. forever the whole family uses it so that's just one thing that you know are, those are for me are so easy for yeah. to, to swap out people really underestimate the value of making small changes you yeah know, they really do have the ability they compound they have the ability to change the way that you experience your daily life you know Mm-hmm. If you, these small, yeah, they, they do because I mean, these small changes, like if I think so many people walk around feeling, um, tired and, mm-hmm. um, headachy and just low level crappy all the time, yeah. but they don't even know because they've never experienced like vibrant, energetic health. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't know yeah. the difference and they just think it's normal to feel that way. And it's not and once they start to make these small changes and start to like and it it starts to impact the way that they experience their daily life like they wake up in the morning and maybe they're a little less groggy maybe they have a little bit more energy to go and do you know a 20 minute walk outside or something that is a serious upgrade you know and your life that's something that you've never done before so yeah and i think we talked Yeah. And we talked about that before too, is, um, on the other one was how people, and especially in my space with the cardiac rehab and then, you know, my own clients online is, is people forget what it feels like to feel well. And that's exactly your whole point is at one point, everybody did feel good. I mean, whether it was when you were nine or 10 or seven or 12 or whatever it was, it was, but then we just kind of come to this. Oh, well, we just have to take a Tylenol every day. Oh, well, we have to yeah. do that. No, you don't have to do that um, no. with um, some implementing things like, yeah, we, sometimes there's medications that people have to take, but for the most part, people yeah. forget what it feels like to feel well. And just like you said, gradually, if you take note and you start to notice and take inventory of your life. And once you start to implement some of those small changes, you're like, wow, I really slept the whole night last night or uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't need my third cup of coffee. Yeah. 
It's amazing. I mean, if you haven't been sleeping the whole night and you wake up in the morning and you slept well, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a new person. Sorry, my dog is barking because my three-year-old, she's four now, came in. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. She wanted to be on the last one too. She came in a couple she times. Did. So. Mm -hmm. She did. So, so anyway, that's okay. Um, so so those are some really small changes that you can do. Um, okay. if you need to go, if you need to go take care of her, like if you want to talk to her, you can. I'm just gonna shoot her out. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yep. So so guys, so that's kind of what we're talking about is making those small little changes. Um, and I talk about that a lot on here is making those small little daily habits and making sure that we're doing one thing at a time and don't get overwhelmed by some of the information. Um, make sure you're kind of, you know, you do one thing at a time and you don't, you know, totally eliminate all of your, your foods that you think are unhealthy or don't totally eliminate your entire cleaning cupboard, you know, do one thing at a time. Next time you run out of lotion, Maybe buy a little bit of apricot oil. And I, I love it because it's very, it's sensitive skin, but even I help people just reduce the amount of, you know, of, of yeah. lotion and just mix a little bit of the oil with the lotion and you start to cut things in half. Um, you know, or if you love your dishwashing soap and you just can't get away from the cascade, then yeah. you, <laughs> then you can maybe change up your hand soap. You know, yeah. so just small, small little changes. So I was just telling them when you jumped off to make sure they kind of, I guess if you want to call it something that everybody likes names, just a habit stack and just kind of, you know, slowly do those things, keep a log, keep a journal. And that includes with the leaky gut, with gut health, with, with everything, because it's all combined um, and it all yeah. matters. And it doesn't have to be all in, all or nothing. And I definitely, that's one of the traps that I fall into that I have to be really aware of when I am wanting to, you know, change something or implement something new. I sometimes will get a little bit bogged down with the like, well, I can't do it this way and this way and this way. So I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah. And that's not a, that's, you know, that's not really that effective because my, this is, the, this is the mantra I've been trying to live, but done is better than perfect, right? Like so, than perfect. Done yes. is better than perfect. A little bit is yeah. better than nothing at all. It doesn't have yeah. to be all or nothing. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, done is better than perfect. Um, I think when we were out here last time, we we discovered that you loved the um, get brilliant at the basics. So oh, it, I love it was very that. That was basic information. Um, and then um, done is better than nothing. So, or what'd yeah. you say? Done is better than perfect. Right, done is better than perfect. Yes. So I love that. So those two kind of go together. Um, yeah. so real quick before uh your before your little one wants to steal the show, because I know how the four-year-olds get. Um, uh -huh. she does really good though, you guys. When I was there, she, she was is. like a rock star and she was just hanging out and she she's definitely not like my four-year-olds. Um, and probably not like your other two at four. <laughs> yes. Well, my, daughter, my daughter, yes, not my son. Okay, yeah. Um, so Kelly has a surgery that she mentioned, and this is one of the big points that we kind of wanted to talk about um, today because it's really coming close and that's why it was kind of time sensitive. So tell us about your surgery, uh, why you're having this surgery, um, and kind of what you're doing to prepare your body for this surgery. Yeah. So two weeks from Thursday, two weeks from Thursday is my surgery. I feel real now. Um, I am having an explant surgery. So on block is what it's called encephalectomy. Um, that's basically breast implant removal, um, mm -hmm. with a, with a lift and a fat transfer. So that's a fancy way to say they're going to do some liposuction 
on some areas that I got where I got a little bit more and injected into some areas where I got a little bit less and do a little balancing out. <laughs> and, this um, is where, and this is where the, um, we, we pick the things that we want to do comes in because, yeah. um, you know, because I mean, I don't see any harm in that. Um, and you're already there and you're already, already there. Under, and already under anesthesia. not going to hurt anything. Um, so I'm, I'm for it. So you're going to do that. And why, why are you, and that's actually a pretty, uh, popular thing. And when I had, um, Dr. Morales, the fit doc on, I forgot to ask him about the fat transfer because he does a lot of implants and, you know, yeah. and, and explants too. Um, but that's kind of a popular thing right now is to do the fat transfer. Um, yeah. and, but you said that he said with the fat transfer, he wasn't, you know, you can still lose fat and that still doesn't guarantee that it's going to stay in the area he put it in. Is that what he said? Oh, yeah. He mm -hmm. said, I will still have bug bites, <laughs> which is fine. You know, at this point, I'm 37. Um, and married, 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 happily married. <laughs> you know, my husband loves the way that I look and we're without breasts, you know, mm -hmm. Um so I got them 17 years ago, almost. It'll be 17 years in August. And the mental state that I was in when I got them, I was not in a good place. Um, and if I could go back and tell myself, my 21-year-old my self and things, it would be, this is the first of multiple surgeries because they're not lifetime devices. You know, yeah. you got to get them replaced or out. Um, at this point, mine are almost 17 years old, so I don't want them again. So I got to get them out. Now you say that because they're the thing we talked about this too is, um, you know, and newer ones like Dr. Morales talked about, they're kind of like iPhones, like yeah. they, get, they get a little bit newer and better each year. Yeah. Um, and I think the ones that you have were recalled and that, recalled, yeah. yeah, and that's a bit of concern for you. Um, as I have some other friends that had the same thing, um, with the recall thing and they kind of got theirs out, but he said that you don't have to get them like we thought every 10 years or yeah. whatever, um, from now a certain, or... from a certain standpoint now, yeah. um, I think then too, um, but unless they've been recalled or whatever he said, yeah. so, so um, mine you know, are recalled because they cause a certain type of cancer, um, uh, a type of lymphoma. And I don't think that I have that, um, We'll pray that I don't. We'll find out for sure when the pathology comes back. But I think typically they know when they get in there by just by looking at it often if you have that particular type. Um, but they have come out now and said that um, all of them, regardless of type, cause a few other types of cancer um, or maybe not cause are associated with very different things. Yeah, um, a, yeah a few different other types of cancers. Um, and that's just but, not a risk that you want to take at this point in your no. life. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you get them taken out for peace of mind, um, and you're just kind of over it. And and for all of the women that have breast implants that like them, I love them for you, um, <laughs> for you. But for me yeah. personally, when I, I only had mine for three years, and you know my story, I immediately hated them. Um, yeah. But that was just for me because it made me train different. And I didn't know my surgeon didn't tell me I couldn't wait train like I wanted to anymore. And I prefer myself without big breasts. Um, yeah. That was, that's my preferred look though. And so that's not for everybody. And, you know, right. and so, so for the women that want them and have them, um, we love them for you. <laughs> yeah. And if but, you're doing great and your health is thriving, then by all means, you know what I mean? Like if they make you feel 
confident in your own skin yes. and you love everybody's them, like, different. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Like I have some friends that had that Baraka gene and they got um, yeah. double to me as a preventative measure and they got implants and they're happy with them. And that's something that is important to them. And I'm happy yeah. that we have that available for them to have because, um, you know, I can't imagine the, the mental part of that. That would be no. very, very hard if that was, you know, something that was taken from you and very important, um, especially young, young women, yeah. you know, older ones too, yeah. but. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who, um, she's just a couple years older than me and she went in for her first routine, um, mammogram and they found that she had cancer and mm. she had to have a mastectomy. She had a single mastectomy and she opted for immediate, uh, reconstruction, which translated that means they did the mastectomy and they immediately put in the implant. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of, and I have her at the same time as I was kind of sharing about how I was going to get mine out and the symptoms that I had been experiencing and wondering if they were attributed to that and some of the, you know, risks associated with breast implants. And she reached out to me and she's kind of like, what, what am I supposed to do here? She's like, I'm, I don't want to be deformed. I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. You. I'd probably do the same thing. Like yeah. I'm not in your position. I can't say what I would do. I wouldn't yeah. want to be deformed either. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is all, this is something you've never had to think about. And now here it is. And you have to make a decision right now. Do whatever is best for you right now. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think what we're just saying is that we totally respect everybody's decisions where they, where they stand. Um, and again, that's your, that's going to kind of be your calculated decision on, you know, where you want to go with your health and that kind of thing. And, and for yourself, I think that knowing some of the risks and how kind of, hypersensitive you are about knowing your body. I think that, you know, and if I didn't know you personally and I just kind of met you and and heard your story, I would say, yeah, it would make sense for you to get them out because you mentally don't want to worry about them being in. And my best friend got hers out at the same time I did. We were both from the um, competitive bodybuilding world and, you know, a lot of women um, there have them in that fitness space. And again, fine. Um, A lot of times it's, you get such low body fat and things like that. And a lot of, a lot of the women that compete and diet down, they lose breasts that they used to have. I never had any either. So I didn't have any growing up. I was used to not having any, and I was very muscular um, by nature. It was just kind of a natural thing too. So, but anyway, my friend got hers out kind of the similar reason as you, Um, she didn't have any symptoms. She just kind of was like, I'm just kind of over it. And I just, would rather not have to worry about the risk. Um, so she got hers out at the same time. Um, yeah. you know, and she was happy. With I her do, yeah. I'm happy with my decision. And I have peace about, you know, what my body is going to look like afterwards, because, you know, I could say like, Oh, it doesn't matter because blah, blah. But the truth is I'm a woman and I still want to feel attractive to my husband mm-hmm. and all of that. So that is a hard thing mentally and emotionally to deal with, but I've come to grips with that because of the amount of comfort that I have in, removing them for my health. I do have a variety of symptoms that may or may not be because of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The thing is what I found in this sort of, there's a whole like breast implant illness community. And I do believe that there are issues that they cause for some women that are very severe. Yeah. Uh, but I also see some women blaming every symptom they have hundreds of them on breast implants. And I don't know if that's accurate. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, what I, what I do know is that I have, um, a whole list of things from like 
joint pain and swelling. I got issues and fatigue and hair loss and pain, all of these things. But on paper, I'm great. Like my thyroid's functioning well. I mean, like I, you know, I'm yeah. all of things. So will removing them help with any of those issues? I don't know. Mm. I, I just don't know. I will only know afterwards. It might and it might. Yeah. You know, and some people will be like, oh, that's placebo. Well, fine. Bring on the placebo. That's how I feel. Bring on the placebo. Like, <laughs> if it did the job, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, think, I think placebo is real sometimes. It um, is. I think, I, I think that I have been, um, you know, victim of the placebo in certain times of my life. And I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. Uh -huh. it works. So, <laughs> like, as long as it gets, it gets the job done. If, it's a, if I get these implants out and my gut issues resolve and it's a placebo, then I am Real yeah. <laughs> yeah. I so, mean, so what are you doing? Um, so I wanted to get in um before yeah. we we get off here. I wanted to talk about what you because you kind of have a regimen of what you're doing to kind of prepare yourself yeah. um for surgery. And I think this is pretty important for anybody um really preparing themselves mm -hmm. for any type of surgery. Um I've had nine surgeries in my life. And I always did a little bit yeah. of kind of prehab meaning with food and stuff. So I yeah. think it's important and I think people don't think about it. So I would love for you to talk about what you're doing going into this and how long sure. you've been doing it for. Sure. So the things that I'm doing are things that any person uh, could do for healthy living. I <laughs> just like on a daily basis, surgery or not. Right. Um, but focusing really on uh, nutrition getting a lot of just getting my um, nutrition really spot on so for me that means like anti-inflammatory um, diet for me that looks different for different people but what that looks like you know for me is just avoiding foods that I know my body does not love and appreciate so yeah. or that don't love and appreciate me so for me that's like gluten, processed dairy sugar alcohol those things yeah. um, and making sure that my drainage pathways are open. So that's making sure that my gut is functioning as good as it can right now. So, you know, regular elimination, those things, making sure that I'm sweating well. If you're not sweating, your lymphatic system is not functioning at its optimal. Um, and your lymphatic system is known as like your river of toxins, right? So um, it's essentially how you pump clear all of the toxins out of your body. But unlike your cardiovascular system, your lymphatic system doesn't have its own pump, right? In your cardiovascular system, the heart is the pump and it pumps the blood throughout your body. But in your lymphatic system, you don't have a pump. So you have to manually pump it, right? And ways to do that are exercising, walking, rebounding, just like jumping on a trampoline, um, dry brushing, uh, sauna. I'm not doing sauna right now. Um, that's a little bit too intense with the implants in. That's essentially like melty plastic in your body um so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not doing that right now but in a few months after I get them out I will do that um so just making sure that I'm sweating every day um reducing as much as possible my toxin exposure right because the left body has to work to mitigate toxins in my body the the more energy it can dedicate to healing after the surgery um, and that's really what I want to do I just want to create uh in my body an environment that is conducive to healing um, after surgery. And, um, I'm focusing on strength being as strong as possible. So I'm doing quite a bit of weight training right now. Um, because I will, I do anticipate some muscle loss afterwards because you really can't 
lift weights for quite some time after, especially that upper body. I can start doing lower body stuff, but even, you know, holding weights by your side after yeah. you've had the surgery, yeah. you can't do, I'll also have a mastopexy. So muscle repair, they're underneath the muscle. So I'll have to repair both of my pec muscles. And I anticipate that that will it's going to hurt. Hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's going to hurt. Um, but again, it's one of those things. Like, I have chronically tight, right pectoralis muscles where like there are some days I can't push this because it hurts too bad. Um, yeah. So like you, like if I was told, like I wouldn't be able to train pecs, like the way that I, you know, would like to, like, I really want to be able to do a ton of pull-ups. And right now, like I just cannot generate this, like no matter how, I mean, so anyway, yeah. You don't have the range of motion because you don't know, have the range of motion. Yeah. Even um, it took me a long time after uh, after I got mine out for to kind of even break up the scar tissue because mine was a little different um, than what yeah. you're having. But it did still take some time, a long time, really, until I felt confident training chest. And there's still even days today, years after I got my I got my implants out in 2010. So. Wow. Um, yeah, nine or 10. So it's still to sometimes to this day, there's certain movements where I'm like, Oh, yep. Can't do that. Or I'll have to make sure I'm very stretched out on one side. Um, so kind of like yeah. you pointed to one side, there's usually one side that's a little different. Um, yeah. but yeah, that's something that's, that's yeah. something that definitely I, and that's something that Dr. Morales talked about. Like, I wish somebody would have told me that too. Like you can't train chest anymore. Like you want to, yeah. and it's going to affect your pull-ups and those things were yeah. important to you. They're important to me, but I love yeah. what you're saying. Like you're building a lot of muscle right now, maybe more yeah. than what you normally would want to just so yeah. have the buffer. Um, yeah. the buffer of muscle, uh, and you're, <laughs> and you're eating high protein, which you've kind of high really protein. got into to kind of support that, that muscle gain, which I'm so proud of. Yeah. I'm looking for, you know, close to a gram a day of protein per body weight, um, which is on the high end, but it keeps me satiated. It helps keep me from going for like crunchy carbs in the afternoon that my, mm -hmm. like my blood sugar, and you know, just throw me into storage mode. Yeah. I can get into really, really, really easily. So um, just dialing it in. And right now, go ahead. I said, I said, me too. Yeah. It's just, oh, yeah. Genetically, my body just likes to live. So it just wants to store all the stuff. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, that's, you know, it's funny. I often say, like, if I ate like standard American diet and like was not, you know, aware of this, like, I would easily be 250. In my family, if you look at like my grandmothers on both sides, mm -hmm. they're both healthy women. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it just, it just, I have a propensity to put up weight on weight. And I've always been very thankful that for that, because I've always had to be aware of it. My sister is what I call skinny fat. She's skinny. She eats cheeseburgers all day long and just yeah. stays like naturally thin. And that's just not me, but it's led to me having to really be aware of my nutrition and um, has encouraged me to stay active throughout the years. And yeah, man, every year after 40, you're losing muscle. So putting it on after now. 35, actually after 35, 35? You, lose, you lose a significant amount of muscle every year if you're not doing something about it. Right. So, and yes, obviously you guys know that you can start at any age. So, um, we actually have a member here at CrossFit, um, that joined, she's like in her eighties for the first time ever again. <laughs> 
We love it. We love the science. Yes. And she's so excited and, you know, and she's ready to lift some weights. It is never too old to help. I love that. And muscle is a metabolic organ. It is the organ of longevity. It is the organ of metabolism and um, just, and keeping you, you know, mobile and safe from injury. And so I'm focusing on muscle, nutrition, um, sleep. Sleep. Oh yes. I'm, I get, I really shoot for at least eight hours a night of really good quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, after having, you know, 10 plus years of being pregnant and nursing, um, I really am prioritizing sleep the last year or two and it feels so good. I've got my sleep routine pretty dialed in, <laughs> yeah. you know, down to like my blue blockers and dimming the lights in the evening to my magnesium and, turning the temperature down in my room at night. I mean, I really appreciate some good, some good sleep. Yes. Yes. It's a magic pill. I always, uh, you know, people always get concerned about my sleep and it's so cute because I get up so early (laughs) and, um, I'm like, you guys, I get seven hours of sleep. I just go to bed at nine. Like I, my nighttime routine starts at seven 30, sometimes eight o'clock. The only time that that stops that is if I have a late kids sport. And then, yeah. you know, I, get up, I try to make myself sleep a little bit longer, but I've never in my life ever had to have an alarm clock. Um, really? never. I, I just you get have four, played. right? You go to bed uh, and get at four. Yeah. Nine. So four thirty, four four thirty is my ideal. Um, but I've just, I've just always naturally been that way. So that's something that I've always been pretty, pretty mm-hmm. lucky about, um, with that sense too. Um, but yeah, so people get concerned about my sleep and like, it's so nice that people get concerned about that. Um, but you know, I, I do go to bed early and I prioritize it as well. Like, like you do. So yeah. it is like the magic pill because if I'm not sleeping well, if I have a section of time, cause there's times when you don't sleep well, whether it's hormonal or situational or whatever, um, you know, I will hold water. I'll hold weight. I'll sometimes gain fat. Um, especially oh, as yeah. older I get, I'll gain it around my belly, just like textbook. And I'm like, oh, yeah. congratulations body for listening to the books. But not um, only that, I mean, the research indicates that even one night of disturbed, like disrupted sleep, where you don't get the normal sleep that you would get can spike your glucose and insulin levels the next day to the, to the point where you would look like a type two diabetic on blood work. So yeah. one night of missed sleep can do that. Your body does its best rest and healing in, you know, when you're sleeping in that deep sleep phase, you know, your glymphatic system is detoxing all of the med- metabolic waste from the previous day um, out of your body. So it's mm-hmm. so important. I mean, it's important for your mental health. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're not when you've not slept and it just makes you, you know, and then you wake up the next day groggy and you make bad decisions, bad food choices because, because, because your blood sugar and your cortisol are all all out of whack. So Mm -hmm. sleep is like one of my A number one priorities. Yeah. And, and for those of you that have some kind of uh, wonky sleep patterns or you can't, aren't getting proper sleep um, or you're a new mom, because those, those days I remember very well. And you have, uh, you know, you basically have broken sleep for like years and (laughs) don't worry, you can catch up. So a couple nights of good sleep really gets you right on track and it really can help you feel so much better. Um, And, uh, and I was 
reading or watching one of the is it Dr. Huberman or whatever. He talks a lot mm -hmm. about um, different research that he does and it's caffeine. He does a lot of brain health stuff. Um, and it makes sense. Like, you know, there's benefits to caffeine, there's benefits to coffee and um, there's really, you can find studies to support whatever you want. So I'm going to look at all the positive parts of coffee. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so there's, uh, you know, it's gut health and all this stuff is really coffee is good, but he talks about how, um, your body can handle so much caffeine and so much is good for you, brain health and function and, and all this. But if you haven't slept well, it won't handle the caffeine as well, but that's when we want to grab it more. So yeah. when, when I've slept well, I can tolerate sometimes two full cups of coffee and a, and a shot of espresso. But when I haven't slept well, one cup of coffee makes me almost feel anxious. Um, so yeah. So, so it's kind of like it, it's opposite in thinking, but your body can mm -hmm. process more caffeine when you have slept well. well slept. Yeah. And I, tell, and I tell this to my own clients and friends and patients and, um, you know, that are worried, not worried, but sometimes they're like, Oh, I can't lose that last, you know, 10 pounds of vanity weight. And it's okay to be a little vain. You guys know on this show that <laughs> we are okay with you being a little vain. It's fine. Um, but they want to lose that few pounds or, or what have you. And I'm like, I can sleep away five to seven pounds if I'm not sleeping well, or let's say I'm just getting six and a half and not seven because seven's my magic number. If I get eight, mm -hmm. I feel hungover. If I get six, I also feel hungover. So I kind of need that seven point. If I, if I don't get enough and then I start to get enough, I, I will lose weight just simply from my body being able to process all of that overnight. Like you said, all that repair system, um, mm -hmm. and then one or two nights of sleep and I'm down those pounds. So I'm like, you can, so interesting. it's like a magic pill. Yeah. That is so fascinating. Yeah. So yeah. eight is my magic number. Seven is not enough. Seven and a half is not enough, but eight, I feel great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people love eight. And I think sometimes there's times in my life when I I'm like a little more stressed out and I, I can get the eight and my body will sleep the, the eight. And I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a, a position in my life probably ever. I've kind of made my life this way to yeah. <laughs> not have to work, not have to get up and go to work at a certain time in the morning. Um, and so I can sleep a little bit if I need to, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So uh, I'll let my body sleep, but it'll take a couple of days and I'll, I'll catch up and yeah. So, yeah. so you're focusing on sleep, you're focusing on gaining muscle, you're focusing on protein and all of those things to keep the inflammation down, kind of things that we should be doing, but you're prepping yourself for, for surgery that. So last question I have for your, um, for your prep, um, for your surgery is kind of what on the, the, the stress management side and the mental aspect side, because that's something that's often forgotten, you know, community stress management, yeah. we talked about that. Um, but what are you doing right now to prepare yourself for the surgery? Because it, I mean, it is surgery and there's risks and, um, yeah. you're a mom of, of three and, you know, yeah. so I, I am, I'm glad that you asked this because I just, I guess it was maybe Saturday um, morning was April 1st. I woke up and I went down into our bedroom, um, that we're staying in because we're remodeling our master bedroom, which is a stressor because I'm trying to get it done before the surgery. Cause I want someplace mm -hmm. to, that's my bed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I walked, I said, it's surgery month. And my husband just like a little, he was, he was trying to be encouraging, but I took it in the opposite way. And I just, lost it and oh, I did yeah. not know I was holding on to that I didn't realize that I was feeling that way about it but it was such a good indicator and so I really one of the things that I've been really working on is 
feeling the feelings mm-hmm. um, because, you know, you and I were like, go, go, go. <laughs> and not maybe always the best at like feeling the feelings, processing it, let it wash over you like a wave. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, just let it, let it, let it flow, let it be, you know, um, instead of suppressing. So that's one of the things that I'm doing. I'm talking with my husband a lot about it, just talking through like logistical things because I'm very uh, logical minded. And so um, just talking through things with him um, from and it helps that perspective. Yeah. He's, that he's a surgeon and he's yeah. also a man of Christ. And so he kind of have, you know, and he's your best friend. So that's, that's a really yeah. good, you know, kind of termination yeah. there, but he can, he can speak to you that way. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause I've said like, listen, I know people go under anesthesia every day and you see it every single day and mm-hmm. people are fine. But I also know freak accidents happen and I have three yeah. children and yep. general anesthesia yep. is not without risks. And so it does, I have had some of those thoughts, but all I can do at the end of the day, like I have to give it to God and just trust in his plan for my life. And I do, and I am a young, healthy woman and I know that I will be fine. But uh, when I get in that sort of <laughs> shift, you know, you can start to spiral really easily. Yeah. Oh, um, my yeah. Yeah. You know, you can go to the, I'm not a really anxious person, but even without being an anxious person, you can find yourself going to the, to the what ifs and creating problems that are not there and imagining scenarios. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, before you know it, you're picking out your funeral music and <laughs> you're, taking, you're taking selfie videos. Cause nobody takes videos of you. Have you seen those like real videos of myself for my funeral? <laughs> Yeah. Um, so obviously first and foremost, when I get there is I pray, um, I do, I like to do the four, seven, eight breathing, which is a immediate way to switch yourself from parasympathetic, which is that fight, flight, or freeze into parasympathetic, which is rest and digest because it activates the vagus nerve. So what that looks like is you take a deep breath in through your nose for a count of four, you hold it at the top for seven, and then you breathe out a long, deep breath through your mouth for eight, and you do that four times, and you can feel an automatic shift, and it's pretty incredible. It almost feels like you've done a little something or drank a little something because it's that calming, so that is really, really good for stress. Always exercise for me is always a good way to discharge extra, <laughs> extra mm-hmm. energy and emotion, so that for me is a daily, even if it's just a 30 minute walk on the treadmill, some type of movement has got to happen for me. Um, It just, it keeps my hormones balanced and just keeps me clear headed. Um, I always call it my my mental health walk. I'm like, this isn't cardio, my mental health walk. Yeah. Mental health walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are so many things that you can do. So you can do all of these like somatic things, like a shake. I'll do this with my eight year old sometimes when he just gets real hyped up, we will literally hook up my phone to my Bluetooth on my diffuser and search like a drum beat or something and just literally stand there and like shake our whole bodies wildly. Like just crazy yeah. people. It feels so good. <laughs> when yeah. you're done, you're like, <sighs> like, I got it out. Yeah. 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 And the other thing is my mom is coming for two weeks oh, uh, nice. after my surgery, which is, what a blessing. So yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so thankful because my kids will be taken care of. My house will stay clean. Yeah. My will stay done and the meals will be cooked. Like I, I never, ever, ever underestimate. Like I'm, I'm just so thankful that I have amazing yeah. parents who yeah. 
of heaven and earth to take care of me still in my mm-hmm. late 30s. So <laughs> yeah. very thankful for that. So all of that, it's just anticipation. I'm just ready to go. I'm ready to yeah. be done with it and yeah. heal and you're doing all the right things. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Um, and next time I come down, <laughs> make sure my sound was working. Um, yeah, was, uh, I think this inter- I think this, uh, this conversation, uh, worked really, really well, um, gave some great information. Um, and, uh, you know, and of course I'll be praying for you, uh, for that. You. Uh, and I will be anticipating the follow-up episode with you when you are midway through your healing um, and to hear all about how the new facility is going and all of that stuff too. So um, Kelly, I'm so grateful for you as a friend and I'm so grateful that you took another hour to come on. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. Um, And um, yes, for sure. So if you guys want to find Kelly, you guys uh, can go to her Instagram. I will link it up. Uh, And then also she's on Facebook, but I would say Instagram. And then she also has an email list. So I will um, put all of her website stuff down here for you. um, So you guys can contact her. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or anything? I don't think so. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So it was great. Great nuggets of information. Hope you guys made it all the way through. Don't forget to like, and subscribe. If you have any questions for Kelly, you can contact her or you can comment below and then I'll do the follow-up episode. Uh, and then we can talk about all the things again. Good. Thanks friend. All right. Bye guys. Love you.